Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a pretty special episode of Virtual Legality for you as Epic Games has responded to Apple's motion in opposition to Epic's temporary restraining order request. Now, if that was a little bit too much legalese for you to wake up with in the morning, or maybe it's late at night when you're watching this episode, we can break that down for you just a little bit. First, I want to mention that we have covered a lot of the various aspects of this particular evolving situation in our playlist, Epic versus Everyone, the Fortnite antitrust lawsuits. And to cut a very long story short, all you basically need to know as background for this video is that Epic tried to put some stuff into Fortnite by changing the payment processing in that application that both Google and Apple found an affront to the terms of service that they have on their various stores. They kicked Fortnite out. Epic sued both of those stores in federal court for monopoly restraint of trade, federal antitrust actions. And as part of that, Apple said, well, you are in violation of all these various things under our license, so we are going to kick you out of the developer program entirely, and that is going to affect not just Fortnite Epic, but everything else that you do, including where your bread is buttered, the Unreal Engine and Unreal Engine support, which Epic took offense to. So when Apple did this, they put forth the following letter. This was on August 14th. This is the same day that Epic started moving against them with respect to their Fortnite changes. They said, upon further review of the activity associated with your Apple Developer Program membership, we have identified several violations of the Apple Developer Program license agreement. That's an important document. That is the document that we have been talking about in this series. It is a document you will hear re referenced as the PLA by Epic Council. And they say, you're in violation of that agreement. You're in violation in a number of ways. The two primary ones of which are, we never allow anybody to do things that direct people off the app store, off the iOS in order to buy things. You can have things that are purchasable off of those storefronts, but you have to offer it through our storefront as well so that Apple has a chance to get its 30% out of the 30-70 cut. That is at issue in this case. And also, I think more problematically for Apple in all honesty, as far as this court presentation goes, is that you did it surreptitiously. You changed the application a couple of weeks ago. You didn't tell us what you changed. You're supposed to report to Apple exactly what happened. Apple uses those reports to test the security features and make sure that the applications are up to whatever its standards are with respect to the application that you are making for their store. You didn't tell them what you were doing and you added a server check on the Epic side. And then on the 13th, of August, you had that server finally tell your game, okay, you can activate this extra bit of code that allows people to directly purchase Fortnite V-Bucks from Epic rather than going through the Apple Store. So those are Apple's two main contentions. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to direct payments elsewhere. And also you're not allowed to put things into our program, not tell us about it, and then activate it after the fact. And that's one of the primary fights that they have had. Now, as part of this letter, they get to the end of this and they say, as of now, your membership in the Apple Developer Program is suspended. When you accepted the Developer Program License Agreement, you expressly agreed to the various terms that you are now in breach of. As you have breached your obligations under that License Agreement, Apple will exercise its right to terminate your membership under Section 11.2, which we will check out again as part of this video, if the violations described above are not cured within 14 days. Now, importantly, 11.2 actually never specifies a 14-day period. It's something that Apple came up with so that they didn't have to terminate it immediately. But maybe that was a mistake, as we will see, because some of what Epic presents in this first response 
actually does have some strength to it. I know a lot of you have come into my comments have said, I'm biased towards Apple or what have you. I think Epic's case is weak, but I think what they have presented in response to Apple's motion against their request for restraining order is actually something that is a little bit stronger than some of their other argumentation. Apple has said as part of that loss of developer program status, you will lose things like access to Apple software, SDKs, APIs, and engineering efforts to improve hardware and software performance of Unreal Engine on Mac and iOS hardware. That was essentially engineering support that Apple had offered Epic and was giving Epic as part of Epic's efforts to work the Unreal Engine on the iOS. And that makes sense for both Epic and Apple because they both make money when Unreal Engine is on their system because Apple makes money when the developments are sold and Epic makes money when somebody uses Unreal Engine and makes a lot of money doing it. So Apple said all of this and that was absolutely a leverage play from Apple. It's a threat to Epic that says, look, you're, you're breaching these things intentionally. And so we're gonna cut you off entirely. Epic objected to that. That was actually the basis for their temporary restraining order request. Now, there are a couple of things that are happening here. And one of them is that the first two requests that they make are different from the third request that they make. And that makes it difficult for the court. It makes it difficult for Apple. It makes it difficult for Epic. So one of the things you will see in their response is they cut off the first two. Not that they're giving them up. We will see that they footnote that they aren't giving them up, but they don't want to talk about them because they think the real strength of their case right now is in this third paragraph. And so the first two paragraphs say, court, tell Apple that they have to put Fortnite back and they have to let us use direct payment despite the fact that that will cut out Apple's entire revenue stream from distributing our application. The court is unlikely to accede to those demands. The third paragraph is different. It says, court, tell Apple that Apple can't take any adverse action against us, including but not limited to suspending or terminating our access to the Apple developer program just because we did all this stuff with Fortnite. In particular, they're worried about, hey, the rest of our business model is still necessary, still makes us a lot of money. Maybe we didn't think that Apple would act against us in that way, so please stop them from doing so. Now, importantly, the language here is actually directed at the developer program, which really does live in that PLA, that developer program license. But as we will see in their response, they are trying to talk about some contractual technicalities that I actually think are pretty strong arguments in part and maybe not so strong in others. So let's dive in to that particular issue right now. So this is their response document. You see that it is scheduled to be filed tomorrow, August 24th at 3 p.m. This is a preparatory filing and this is actually what Microsoft's statement was about that we summarized earlier today that we talked about the fact that Microsoft was just supporting the Unreal Engine side of what Epic wanted to protect. And I said, well, they don't do a great job of that because they just say they are in support of the motion for the temporary restraining order, which covers everything, covers all three paragraphs. And the first two are going to be problematic for the court. Even if you agree with everything Epic stands for, the first two are going to be a problem for the court because it is an easy enough solution to say, hey, you can sue for antitrust violations, put everything back the way it was, Apple will put everything back the way it was. You guys can work together for now so we don't have completely indeterminate amounts of losses in the future, but everything goes back to the status quo. That's, that's in my opinion, what the court is most likely to do and is effectively what Epic is asking for it to do if it gives up these first two paragraphs. But that was what Microsoft was backing up, was particularly this Unreal Engine question. So they start, Epic starts by saying, uh, pursuant to the court's order permitting limited reply briefing, we're allowed to make these kinds of responses. 
Epic Games submits this response to address certain issues and arguments in Apple's opposition brief that are related to the Unreal Engine and the revocation of Epic's developer tools. Epic also submits his attachments, some declarations of Brent Byers, which I looked at. Very interesting. You can check those out on Court Listener, but aren't terribly useful to the specifics of what we're going to talk about today. They, they give some good exhibits. Now, they note here in footnote, Epic's response is limited to addressing the issues and arguments raised in Apple's opposition only as it relates to the Unreal Engine argument and the revocation of Epic's developer tools. Epic does not, through its silence on other issues, concede the accuracy of any legal arguments or factual assertions in Apple's opposition. Now, you have to put that kind of savings clause in language like this. I will say from a kind of strategic perspective, elevating this particular case and only responding to the complaints about the Unreal Engine and developer side of things suggests certain things about the party's stance, that this is very important to them. They want to have all this restored. Maybe they didn't anticipate Apple doing this to them. Maybe they did. They want this restored. And then we can talk about the other stuff. Apple didn't respond in piecemeal fashion. They looked at the request for temporary restraining order and they fired all their cannons at everything, including the parts that are less likely for the court to feel good about at all. Specifically, this response addresses the following points in Apple's opposition. First, Apple argues that Epic's requested relief relating to Unreal Engine and the revocation of developer tools is mandatory rather than prohibitory. Now, we talked about this in the previous videos in this series, but suffice it to say, for purposes of a discussion like this one, the court can be asked to mandate that someone do something for you or to stop them from doing something against you. And the law looks at that request and says, it is harder to go ask someone to do something for you. That's mandatory, rather than to stop them from doing something. So if you go and you look at this actual request, if you go and you look and you say, okay, paragraph one is restore Fortnite, paragraph two is restore Fortnite, paragraph three is don't terminate our membership in the developer program, you can see how paragraph three is actually that kind of prohibitory injunctive relief rather than the mandatory injunctive relief that appears to be what Epic is asking for in the first two paragraphs. So that's why they bifurcated this argument is probably based on this point, if none other. And so they say, okay, court, regardless of how you feel about everything else, we just don't want to be kicked out of the program or have all of our APIs and SDK access eliminated. So please stop them from doing that. That is prohibitory. Second, and this is the important one. This is where we're going to spend most of our time in this video. Apple argues that its actions with respect to the Unreal Engine and its revocation of access to all developer tools and developer accounts are authorized by contract. They are not. And they're going to give better arguments than this. This is just the introduction. That argument fails to acknowledge the multiple contracts between Apple and Epic affiliates and programmers. Apple has alleged a breach of only one such agreement, and that agreement does not govern Epic's access to developer tools for the Unreal Engine, the distribution of apps that are used for development purposes by Unreal Engine licensees, or various other Epic developer program accounts. Even if those contracts did not violate the antitrust laws, now that's important. You will see this language over the course of this response. One of the things you have to do is you have to argue in the alternative if you're a lawyer, right? So you aren't conceding that your case is bupkiss. That's not what you're doing here. You're saying, okay, let's assume they're right on point X. You aren't going to give us this antitrust win. They still can't take all of this stuff away from us, court. That's what you argue. You say, even if their contracts are held to be valid, and we certainly don't think they are, judge, but even if you give them that one, an alleged breach of the specific developer program license agreement governing Fortnite would not justify Apple's actions with respect to other developer program accounts 
including the account related to the Unreal Engine, or to the revocation of developer tools, all of which are governed by separate agreements. We're going to look at all of these because it's super interesting. Instead, the breadth of Apple's retaliation is itself an unlawful effort to maintain its monopoly and chill any action by others who might dare oppose Apple. You got to throw in a little bit, right? Apple is doing this not because they are concerned about their security of their application, not because they care about hot fixes or whatever Epic might have done to get this change across their platform. They are doing this because they are evil, Judge. They are evil and justice requires them to be stopped. Now, on the third, fourth, and fifth arguments, we're going to touch on them, but we're not going to cover them in great depth. These are the kind of factual arguments that the parties are just going to have rhetoric on either side about. The third is that Apple argues that Epic has not provided evidence showing that the Unreal Engine business will be significantly harmed. And they say, yes, we did. We had declarations from our CEO. We now have more declarations. Thus, Epic submits herewith a declaration regarding multiple inquiries it has received from concerned developers, as well as a declaration from the general manager of gaming developer experiences at Microsoft Corp. We called in some big guns. Here are some big guns to say, this will cause damage to the gaming development community. That was the purpose of Microsoft getting involved. I still wouldn't have recommended it based on Epic's overall theory of this case. Everything I said in my prior video this morning, which I recommend checking out. You should absolutely uh, take as my feelings on the matter, but it's clearer now looking at the full breadth of what Epic is trying to do with respect to this specific response that they are using Microsoft primarily to establish that the Unreal Engine community will be harmed if they don't get some kind of redress through a temporary restraining order. Fourth, they say the balance of equities tips in our favor. Note that they slice this onion again a little bit thinly. They say, hey, this only applies to the Unreal Engine. Apple never even responded to why the balance of equities has anything to do with Unreal Engine. And same with harm to the public interest. Again, Apple's arguments do not address the Unreal Engine or the revocation of developer tools. Epic's requested relief on those issues is very much in the public interest. So you get a little bit of lawyer games playing here, right? Epic submitted their big, long document asking for all of this stuff. Apple responded to all of the stuff. And now they're saying, whoa, judge, you know, some of the stuff that they said doesn't apply to one of these paragraphs. And we think that's our strongest, best argument right now. Check out this letter from Microsoft. Check out these other things that we can show you. You should give us this third one, even if you're not going to give us the first two. The problem is, of course, that if they give them the third one and Fortnite stays off the store, you're basically in the same boat. And Apple still has an issue with supporting a company that is trying deliberately to breach its contracts. Maybe not that big of an issue, but it is an argument that these parties are going to have. Now, on point one, we already talked about, I think Epic is right. They say the relief Epic seeks is prohibitory, not mandatory. A prohibitory injunction prohibits a party from taking action and preserves the status quo, et cetera, et cetera. Here, as a regular part of its business, Apple makes various software, SDKs, APIs, and other developer tools widely available for use by software developers. And the relevant status quo is that, like countless other developers, various Epic affiliates and their employees have access to those materials. Epic simply asks that this status quo be preserved. So I think they're right on point one. If you bifurcate what their actual request of their temporary restraining order is, which is a little bit tricky to do. And so you can see that they're narrowing their focus towards the arguments that they think that they can win. Now we get into the good stuff. Point two, contractual relationships. Apple has a variety of click-through non-negotiable contracts that it uses to govern membership in its developer program and access to software and other developer tools. 
Various affiliates of Epic and their employees are parties to certain of these agreements. As set forth in more detail below, Apple has alleged a breach of only one such agreement, under which Fortnite was added to the App Store. That agreement does not govern access to the developer tools used to create the Unreal Engine, nor does it govern the accounts used to distribute many of Epic's other apps, including those related to the Unreal Engine. So the basic premise here is that you've got multiple Epic parties signed up to multiple PLAs, and that SDKs and Xcode, as specific developer things that are given to them by Apple, come under the ambit of a different agreement. And I think these are pretty good, technically accurate, contractual arguments that the court is going to have to listen to. We will talk as part of this video about the ways I think Apple could respond to these kinds of complaints. But as of right now, what Apple has said really does live in that PLA document and they haven't really expanded it to talk about other account PLAs or the specific documents that we are about to talk about right now. As Epic describes the situation, there are three types of agreements implicated by Apple's August 14th notice of termination. That was the letter we read at the top of this. First, there is the Xcode and Apple SDKs agreement, an example of which is attached to our declaration, but we're going to pull up in just a second. This agreement grants an individual or company a license to use certain Apple software for specified purposes. This agreement is entered into every time an individual downloads a copy of Xcode and Apple SDKs to an Apple device and by its terms binds the individual and the company that employs her. Now that's an important admission, right? Their sentence actually says this specific document, which we're going to take a look at, binds the individual and the company that employs her. So Epic in general is bound by these documents. Or as they say, the actual click-through says you are agreeing on your own behalf and or on behalf of your company or organization of the terms and conditions stated below. So Epic is a part of these contracts specifically. That's going to be important when we talk about Epic being the ones that breached the PLA with respect to the Fortnite application at the very least. Over the years, thousands of such agreements were necessarily clicked through by employees of Epic and its affiliates. Among other things, the SDK's agreement grants a license to use Xcode developer tools to test and develop software and a license to use SDKs for various Apple operating systems to test and develop software for use on those platforms. While this agreement permits testing and development of software, it generally does not allow the distribution of that software to third parties through Apple's App Store. So you've got two separate prongs of the licensing approach that Apple uses, right? You've got these developer tools, this SDK's agreement, Xcode agreement, and then the PLA, as we will see, swings in and is the fulsome agreement that allows you to make things for sale on the App Store. And that also incorporates all that guideline documentation that we have been reading as part of this series in virtual legality. The SDK's agreement is an integrated contract that constitutes the entire agreement between the parties with respect to the subject matter thereof. In the law, in contract drafting, we would call the provision quoted here a merger provision, meaning that everything that we've talked about that relates to what we are doing in this contract exists in the four corners of this document so that we can't bring in outside references or emails or things along those lines. So what Epic is saying here is, pay attention, judge. Everything that happens in this agreement only relates to this agreement. The integration clause expressly addresses the circumstance in which developers are party to both the SDK's agreement and a developer program license agreement, the PLA, the one that Apple does specifically say that Epic has breached, providing to the extent that you have entered into the Apple developer program license agreement with Apple and are validly licensed by Apple to exercise additional rights or to use additional features or functionality under the PLA, 
you acknowledge and agree that the PLA shall govern your use of those rights and privileges. And I think Epic is making a point here. They're saying that the SDK covers the SDK stuff and the PLA covers the PLA stuff and never the twain shall meet. And so if we've got a breach of the PLA, we need more than just because you breached the PLA, you lose your SDK rights. And if you don't have that connective tissue, which they're saying Apple didn't represent in their opposition, then we've got a problem court because Apple is acting outside of its premises. I think it's a good point. As they say, thus the SDK's agreement and the PLA cover different sets of rights. The additional rights provided by the PLA are governed solely by that agreement. Further, the SDK's agreement states that it terminates if, and only if, a developer fails to comply with any terms of this agreement and does not provide for termination upon breach of any other agreement. And I think that's right. We're going to look at the language here in just a second. But what they are saying is it does not have what we would call a cross-default clause. In a lot of contract relationships, a lot of the ones that I draft, if you're going to enter into a series of documents with another party, what you have in each of your documents is a statement that says, it shall be deemed a breach of this agreement if you have breached any other agreement that we have with you. And that's generally called a cross-default provision because if you breach the PLA, then you've also breached the SDK. And we don't want to have to deal with you. We want to be able to cut you off. And Epic makes a good point, as we will see when we look at this document. There isn't that cross-default language specified in this document. Now, I think there is cross-default applicability in the document, which we will talk about. And I think Apple will be likely to argue for in this document, but it isn't specified in the termination section itself. So let's take a look at this Xcode document, right? Xcode and Apple SDK's agreement. This will be linked in the description of this video, but you can also check it out directly on the Apple legal website page. This has a lot of definitions. It has a lot of language, which we aren't going to use. But for purposes of our discussion here, it's important to see what this does. And it does exactly what Epic says. Subject to the terms and conditions of this agreement, Apple hereby grants you during the term a limited, non-exclusive, personal, revocable, non-sublicensable, non-transferable, and internal use license to install a reasonable number of copies of the Apple software on Apple-branded computers that are owned or controlled by you. You can put stuff we give you in software form on Apple computers that you hold. You can't beam it anywhere. You can use it to do what you want to do in the process of developing software. And we see that Apple software is defined as Xcode developer tools and the Apple SDKs. The Apple SDKs are all of this good stuff, which would seem to apply when we go and we look at this letter to this line right here. So we do have a situation where Apple is trying to cut off Epic's rights under a separate agreement. It certainly looks that way. And does Apple have the right to do that is going to be an open question. So Epic then points us to section five here where termination lives, where we scroll down and we see that there isn't a kind of broad-based termination for convenience right in the same way that we have talked about in the PLA, and which I will think presents a problem for Epic and for Apple as part of this discussion. But here in the term and termination section, it just says this agreement and all rights under this agreement will terminate automatically or cease to be effective without notice from Apple if you or any of your authorized developers, you are the employer here and your authorized developers are the employee under the definitions, fail to comply with any terms of this agreement. Now, it's worth noting, I highlighted here, that Apple also reserves the right to revoke, disable, or suspend any provisioning profiles or any access to the device deployment and provisioning features of the software and services at any time in its sole discretion. That might be something that Apple could use if for some reason it lost the ability to terminate this agreement in its entirety. 
you could probably cut the knees off at least some of the use cases for what Epic would want to do with it by just saying no provisioning profiles are authorized because we don't trust you. Now, would that get another TRO request and another fight in law and get more lawyers paid? Yes, but the provision does exist where they have sole discretion to do something that could mitigate the other party's ability to use what it is that they have. Now, what's worth noting here is that what we see in terms of term and termination is that if there is a breach under this agreement, you can terminate it and you can terminate that other party's access to what is happening here. So we'll come back to it. But one of the things that Apple is going to want to do is they're going to want to find a breach of this agreement. Continuing with what Epic's claim is, they say, in addition to the SDK agreement, there is that PLA. As noted, the PLA provides additional rights beyond the rights granted by the SDK's agreement, including the right for a developer to test its apps on iOS devices, to seek notarized applications for Mac OS, submit applications for distribution through the App Store. The PLA is the agreement that contains Apple's restrictions on how in-app payments may be processed, and the PLA also requires compliance with the App Store review guidelines, which in turn have further restrictions relating to in-app payments. All of the stuff that everybody has been talking about right now. Similar to the SDK, Epic explains that the PLA is also an integrated contract and the integration clause expressly addresses the circumstances in which a developer is also part of the SDK's agreement, providing that the PLA will govern in the event of any inconsistencies between the two with respect to the same subject matter, provided, however, that the PLA is not intended to prevent you from exercising any rights granted to you in the SDK's agreement. So what Epic has established here is that these two agreements are independent. And so Apple would need to use the contract language to apply all of the breach that they can identify with respect to the Fortnite application, both as we will see across multiple PLAs, but also down to the SDK agreement level. And I think that's a good argument. So Apple is going to have to make that case. I would suspect that they will try to make that case in their response. And we are going to take a look at how I think they they might be able to make that case at the end of this video, but they are going to have to try to establish that. Now we see that there are six Epic affiliates that are parties to a PLA. So Epic has amongst its companies and maybe even internally at certain of its companies, six different PLAs that they have entered into with Apple. Now there's a couple of things that are important to note here, but it appears that Epic has paid the $99 a year developer fee six times, so $600, to give it six independent contracts. As they describe right here, they say the account that submitted Fortnite and certain other apps to the App Store is Team ID 84. That's just the final numbers. They're not going to give you the whole Team ID, even in a legal document like this. The account that submitted certain apps related to Unreal Engine is a development team that has a number ending in 3Y, as opposed to Fortnite's 84, and is governed by a PLA between Apple and Epic Games International, or Epic Sorrel a Swiss entity. So Epic Games Inc. is the Fortnite team and Epic Games Sorrel is the Unreal Engine team. So now you have two different entities. Yes, in the Epic family. Yes, with the same management. But you have two different entities with two different contracts. These are good arguments that Epic has thrown out there. The remaining accounts are held by other entities and were used by Epic's affiliates to submit other apps to the App Store, such as the House Party app. Separately from the PLAs, Epic and its programmers have entered into thousands of agreements for Apple software and SDKs made widely available under the SDKs agreement. But again, remember that you're signing it on behalf of your employer when you sign onto that document. So Epic is a party to all of those things. So if Apple can make the breach argument at the PLA level, apply it to the SDK level, they could apply it down to all the thousands of SDK agreements. Apple admits 
that Epic Games Inc. and Epic Games Sarl have separate PLAs and separate accounts. Although Apple claims that Epic administers these two accounts as if they are one, it cannot and does not deny the existence of two separate agreements. Indeed, Apple acknowledges that it charges a separate annual program fee for each account, showing independent consideration for each agreement. Further, Apple's assertion that the PLAs for each account were renewed within a minute of each other proves the point. They were not renewed at the same time with the same mouse click because they are separate agreements. This is true not just for the PLAs to which Epic Games Inc. and Epic Games International Sorrel are parties, but for all six of the PLAs between Apple and an Epic affiliate, as well as the Developer Enterprise Program License Agreement between Apple and Epic Games Inc. Each is an independent and integrated agreement. Each was executed by a different legal entity, and each is subject to a separate annual program fee. Now, they actually don't talk about the Developer Enterprise Program License Agreement in this document, so it's a little bit unclear how that applies to this whole specific context, but everything that they said there is important. They are correct. When you have a separate agreement, even if it's with another subsidiary of your family of entities, you as Apple still have to go and show that you have some right under the contracts that you have entered into to terminate that agreement. Now, I do think that they do have those rights with respect to the PLAs, maybe not on the 14-day basis that they established, but maybe on a longer-term basis. Now, one thing I want to say is that what they pulled out of this particular paragraph that Epic pulled out in their response is part of a declaration that was made in support of Apple's TRO motion in opposition on Friday. And they said the following, Epic has had contracts with Apple to gain access to the App Store and Apple's various developer tools for many years. All developers, including Epic, are required to execute a developer agreement and a developer program license agreement in order to access Apple's developer tools and the App Store for each account they open. Epic, for example, has multiple accounts, including one under Epic Games and another under Epic Games International Sorrow. Epic administers these two accounts as if they're one. The accounts share a single tax ID number, a single individual is the registered account holder, and a single credit number that is used to pay the annual program fee. The two accounts share the same test devices and their developer program license agreements were renewed within a minute of each other on June 30th, 2020. Interestingly, I believe that's the same day that Tim Sweeney initially sent emails to Apple saying that he had a problem with what they were doing and asking for a side letter. A true and correct copy of the developer agreement that is currently in force is attached to this declaration, and a true and correct copy of the developer program license agreement that is currently in force is also attached. In addition, all developers on the App Store have agreed to abide by the terms of the App Store review guidelines, and a true and correct copy of those are attached. Apple has a good point here as well, that Epic uses the same tax ID number on the accounts, which generally suggests that it's the same entity even if it uses different entity names. That's a problem on the Epic kind of logistical file keeping side. So you've got different names, but the same federal tax ID number. You have the same individual signing for both and the same credit card number. You've got problems on both sides of this thing. And it's the kind of messiness that a court is good at kind of sorting out, but it does add to extra confusion on these points. So Epic has a good point. If they truly were separate entities, Apple has a good point to try to say, but judge, they really weren't. And then when you get right down to it, what Apple really wants to say is that you breached your agreement and we can do all of this stuff to you. And Epic doesn't want to allow that. And we'll see if Apple has a good point. Epic continues. Apple stated its intent to revoke access to all developer tools and all accounts used by Epic affiliates 
noting specifically the impact of the Unreal Engine in a notice posted on August 14th, 2020 to the Epic Games Inc. developer program account with the team ID ending in 84. That's the Fortnite team. And yes, the letter that we talked about at the beginning of this video has a certain amount of, that's a nice engine design firm you've got there. Shame if anything were to happen to it. That is absolutely true. Apple is clearly saying, look, you're going to intentionally breach this. We're going to hurt you. And that might be within their legal rights. Epic says it's not. But they definitely wanted to leverage their position against Epic when they sent that letter in the first place. Each of the alleged PLA violations in that notice relates exclusively to Fortnite and does not implicate the Unreal Engine or any other part of Epic's business. For example, the August 14th notice states that your app, i.e. Fortnite, is in direct violation of the PLA and refers to introducing new payment functionality and an unauthorized payment system, etc. Even if the contractual provisions purportedly breached by Fortnite were lawful, again, we're not giving up on that antitrust case, Judge, Apple's revocation of all accounts affiliated with Epic and all access to developer tools, including for the Unreal Engine, which is not an App Store app, reaches far beyond the Team ID 84 account and the Epic Games Inc. PLA. First, the August 14th notice states that Epic will lose access to all Apple software, SDKs, APIs, and developer tools. Revoking access to all of these materials would extend beyond the rights covered by the PLA and sweep in materials to which Epic and all other developers and programmers have access to under the SDKs agreement, which Apple has not claimed Epic breached. So let's talk about that first, right? I said we would talk about this. I said we would look at the Xcode document because the Xcode document does say that you have to be in breach of this in order for it to terminate. And Apple could terminate it without notifying you of that fact. So they wouldn't have had to have notified you at all of the breach, nor would they really have had to claim it even in their response to the temporary restraining order, of course, it probably would have been a good idea. If they want to claim breach here, I do think they have some options. The first of which is in these paragraphs right here. So this is a big mess, right? There's a lot of legalese. So I thought we would do some highlighting for you. Let's see if we can pull that up properly. Here we see the paragraph that I'm pointing to. And the specific things that Apple could claim are a breach here are as follows. You agree that, to the best of your knowledge and belief, your applications will not violate, misappropriate, or infringe any Apple legal rights, right? You can see that I skipped a whole bunch of legalese in the middle there as not applicable to what we were talking about, but you can always do that when you're reading a legal provision, and what you have left is something that is important. You agree that, to the best of your knowledge, your applications will not infringe any Apple legal rights. Now, there could be an open question as to whether legal rights are the same as contractual rights, right? And this particular provision is really aimed at things like copyright infringement that you can see in the parenthetical. For example, musical composition or performance rights, video rights, photography or image rights, logo rights, third-party data rights, etc., for content materials that may be included in your application. So that's not a great fit, but Apple could make the claim if they wanted to. The stronger argument is in the next sentence where they say, you agree not to use the Apple software or Apple services, remember that's the SDKs and the Xcode and everything else, to create any application or other software program that would disable, hack, or otherwise interfere with any security, digital signing, digital rights management, content protection, verification, or authentication mechanisms implemented in or by the Apple software or the Apple services. The Apple services just being services that Apple performs in connection with these things. So what's important for that particular sentence is what Apple has actually claimed the violation of the PLA is. So if we go back now to Friday, when Apple filed their opposition to the temporary restraining order, we get the following description of what they want to do. 
Apple has invested in an extensive array of tools, software, and Apple support services available to app developers. For example, Apple now makes a ton of these. Everybody is great. This is an exponential increase over the number of APIs available to developers in the beginning. As a condition of using these tools, Apple requires developers to sign the license agreement. That's the PLA, as we've been talking about. This agreement prohibits developers like Epic from using Apple software to disable, hack, or otherwise interfere with security or any other Apple software or technology or enable others to do so. They're pointing at this specific provision in the PLA that talks about disabling, hacking, interfering with their software and their technology. And to my eye, that lines up pretty well with you agree not to use the software or services to create an application to interfere with security and things like authentication mechanisms. So when we start arguing about this, Apple and Epic, that makes what they did to actually get this change into the application very, very important that putting it through their application, not telling Apple about it, not submitting the application in the proper way through the app store to get it reviewed, to get it approved, does suggest that perhaps they used the SDKs, they used what they were granted under the Xcode and SDKs license to create an application that did affect security, digital signing, and authentication methodology. And so Apple making this particular claim about that particular issue is something that they could potentially take back into the Xcode document, run it as a breach of the Xcode agreement and say, you're in breach, you lose all these things. And so when you do something surreptitious like that, we can claim that you're in breach over here. And the suggestion is, is that that is how they have been reading their agreements this entire time, right? If we continue with how they talk about this particular issue, it's not just limited to the SDK, it's also the PLAs that are an argument and and that's going to come up right now. Even if the, if the contractual provisions purportedly breached by Fortnite were lawful, Apple's revocation of all accounts affiliated with Epic and all access to developer tools reaches far beyond the Team ID 84 account. That's what we just talked about. Revoking access to all of these materials would extend beyond the rights covered by the PLA and sweep in materials to which Epic have access under the SDA agreement. The PLA applies only to additional rights, etc., etc. Second, if Epic Games Inc. breached its PLA in connection with Fortnite, that would not establish a breach by Epic Games International of its separate PLA nor would it establish that any of the four other Epic entities identified in Exhibit T to the declaration breached any of their PLAs. Apple does not contend that any other Epic, uh, Epic app or the Unreal Engine violated any of Apple's policies. Apple does not dispute any of this. Instead, Apple asserts the right to revoke all Epic entities' access to developer tools and to terminate all PLAs with all Epic entities because in certain prior instances when Apple has terminated a developer account, it has also terminated accounts that it knows to be affiliated with the offending account. The fact that Apple has overreached in the past is further evidence of Apple's unlawful flexing of its monopoly power. But the fact that Apple has overreached in the past does not justify doing it again here. So the second component of this is the PLAs, right? Apple probably does have to establish that the Xcode licenses were violated. We talked about some of the language that they might be able to do that with. But they also probably have to make the claim that the PLAs themselves were breached either by all the parties or I think more likely they would look at this particular situation and they would say the following. Okay, we think we have a good claim under Section 11.2 that at bare minimum, the 84 team, this particular account was engaged in misleading, fraudulent, improper, unlawful, dishonest acts, surreptitiously moving things around the app store, hiding things from us. We think we could win that one and we'll keep you at 14 days or maybe we'll suspend you immediately. 
even if that doesn't hold, the problem with the entirety of Epic's PLA argument here is the sentence that I have highlighted. Either party may terminate this agreement for its convenience, for any reason or no reason, effective 30 days after providing the other party with written notice of its intent to terminate. So Apple could throw up its hands and say, okay, look, maybe the SDK and Xcode license agreement, maybe we can get out of that one if we use some of the breach language that we highlighted in this video. Maybe we can't. But the PLAs, the actual distribution through the App Store, the most important stuff to Epic actually selling things directly into the store, we can terminate all those. And maybe we have to give you 30 days. Maybe we have to issue you a new written notice. Maybe this extends out into September. But we can 100% terminate those. Perhaps if I were in Apple's shoes, I would issue that notice right now in the alternative and say, if for some reason it is told that we are not able to terminate all of these PLA accounts because of reasons, because the court says one thing or the other, we are affecting your termination as of the 30-day notice window. And I think the court would be disinclined to step in and say that you can't do this under the contract that you voluntarily agreed to, but you never know. As we've talked about in this space, a judge could say that their arguments under the Antitrust Act are strong enough that they give everything under the temporary restraining order. But it is a difficult case for Epic to make with respect to the PLAs, where you do have a termination for convenience right built right in. The argument has to be, well, we didn't breach this agreement, judge. And the answer from Apple is, okay, well, you didn't have to. So we're terminating it anyway. So you get this nice response from Epic. They bring up a lot of good points about separate accounts, about separate contracts. And I think Apple will definitely have to respond to the Xcode SDK side of things specifically. But at the end of the day, I think they can bring up a good enough argument to say, look, they did a bad thing. All of these accounts are the same. You have that muddy middle situation of the same tax ID and the same individual and the same credit card that creates its own problem. But even if you don't think these accounts are the same judge, we can terminate them for convenience anyway. And that was always within our ambit. So unless you are going to rule that they have a substantial likelihood of winning on their antitrust claim, you can't grant this temporary restraining order. On the last couple of points here that Epic raises, as I said in the introduction, I don't want to hit them too hard. I think they make a good case that there are folks that are harmed, third party people that are harmed by Unreal Engine not being able to be supported by Epic. But when we talk about balance of the equities and we get to point four, I don't think that their argument is as strong because they say, well, Apple didn't make a claim that the balance of the equities, that the court should look at Apple as a better actor than Unreal. But Apple did generally make that claim that said, hey, the only reason this is happening at all is because Unreal breached the agreement. And so the equities would suggest that Unreal uh, or that Epic can put everything back Unreal will stay just the same. Fortnite can go back up on the store. Everybody can make money and we can continue to fight this out in court. That's a very strong argument against a temporary restraining order. It's a very strong argument on Apple's behalf to say, look, judge, put things back the way they have been for two years and we'll fight about it in court. And if things happen at the end of the day where you decide that we are the losers, you know, we can talk about damages at that point. And let's just not have this pre-litigated in a temporary restraining order over the course of a week when this is a thing that could take years and years and years and depositions and discovery and everything else to really, really get right. And so I think Apple did make a good argument that says, hey, yeah, okay, Unreal Engine's getting hurt, but it's Epic that's doing the hurting and we would bring them back into the store immediately. And if the court decides in a different direction, Apple's going to have to look at those breach of contracts terms a little bit more closely. Finally, Epic makes the same claim about public interest, says, hey, Apple never said anything about public interest with respect to Unreal. But Apple kind of put these two arguments together, 
said, hey, video games aren't that important. You, ha you haven't proven real harm. You haven't proven real irreparable damage to either goodwill or all the stuff that you put in there about families and friends connecting. There's a hundred places to get Fortnite. Your theory of the case would attack Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo and everyone else. And so the public interest is most best interested in having parties maintain their contracts until litigation is actually solved for whatever the problem is that is put in front of it. So at the end of the day, we do have Epic's first response. I thought this was absolutely fascinating to check out. It's why I'm doing a second video on the weekend here in virtual legality. But at the end of that day, I do think that Epic is looking at a situation where this is the strongest argument that I have seen from them in respect to that multitude of network contracts. And I still don't think, even if they get kind of most of the logical wins on this document, that it really gets them to where they want to go. I still think the court is most likely to try to unwind this situation to a place where everybody's basically where they were, really kind of affecting a kind of prohibitory uh, injunctive relief, both on the part of Apple and Epic, saying, okay, Epic put things back the way they were in Fortnite. Apple, don't do anything weird on the documents right now based solely on this, and we will fight this out in court. But Epic does bring some good points, and I would expect Apple to respond to them with some version of what we've talked about here today. Some version of, sure, the SDK is in breach when you breach the PLA in the fashion that you did. And even if the PLAs don't go to the same accounts, we can terminate them all. And we don't want to be in the business of working with people that hide things and put them in our store. So that has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, share, tell people that we are here, tell people that we are covering every single corner, aspect, shade, nook, cranny, of this epic fight and a whole lot of other things in business and law, all through the prism of the pop culture that you and I enjoy and love to read about anyway. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it on a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.